I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode checks 167 of We Are Going Up. I've got us a little fanfare, David Cameron Walker. Well, we're back. Do we deserve it? No, <laughs> no, I don't think we do. Some people said this day would never come. You know, there were lots of people thinking that no, was it. They literally have, yeah. That was it. it We've was had over. emails. We've had emails and tweets thinking that that was it. I've end. got an email over here. Uh, this is from Paul Reeve. Hello, Paul. Fellas, it's all gone a bit quiet, dot, dot, dot. Is this the end of Wagyu, or will you be returning so we can have our fortnightly fix of all things championship? If and it is, League One and League Two. Well, I was going to say, get them all in, Paul. Um, <laughs> it's like the new Channel 5 thing with your two shows. The goal rush. Um, hopefully not, but if it is the end, then thanks for the entertainment th- for the last few years. Well, Paul, fear not. We're back for 2016. A bit belatedly, we've had our winter break. Uh, that wasn't exactly scheduled, but it's happened. I'm Mark Crossley in Manchester, Salford Keys to be specific, and David Cameron Walker's in his broom cupboard. I, I am. And um, just for I've a, never uh, left. <laughs> I've been here for a month. They lock you in there, don't they? Um, just for all the, uh, the, the the sort of geeks, um, we're actually for the first time in a long time. I think we should let people behind the scenes recording uh, this conversation uh, by a bit of technology called ISDN which means that it's a lot easier to edit. Now, you might sound slightly more like you are locked up, um, but that's what the price <laughs> we've got to pay for cutting a few hours off the edit time. Yeah. So we're both here. Uh, plenty going on. I mean, that's an understatement. I've printed off everything you've sent me, mate. I've got you know, got a rainforest of stuff here. Lots been happening since the... Well, it's a good job somebody's been keeping a check <laughs> on things, isn't it? <laughs> since the 3rd of December when we did our last proper show. Uh, we had the mini episode about Charlton last week. He followed up that... Um, 5-0 defeat with a 6-0 defeat didn't they yeah. at the weekend well, I don't know, I'm not sure whether we've heard yet whether the players are going to surely they've got to refund the fans again haven't they so they I did think, it the previous yeah. week with a 5-0 defeat you'd like to think so Six, wouldn't you they've got to give the fans a bit more money on top exactly uh, buy them a meal or something to go on top of it yeah. um, so we'll be going through um, everything that's happened well we haven't got sort of six hours but we'll try and go through as much as we can in terms of what's been happening over the last few months now one of the things that has been happening DC um, it's been the, the floods, obviously, which have caused yes. uh, big problems um, all, well, all over Cumbria and, and Carlisle in particular. Oh, to say the least, yeah. Those images of the uh, the stadium, Brunton Park, underwater uh, recently. So uh, John Coleman is going to come on and talk to us about mm-hmm. um, Carlisle's situation. They've been playing matches all over the, the shop, haven't they? I think they played some at Ewood Park in Blackburn. Yep. And some in Blackpool as well. Mm. Um, so John Coleman, Carlisle United writer for Cumbrian Newspapers, uh, is going to come on and talk to us about... Uh, the situation there, because I think they're pretty much ready to go in terms of returning to Brunton Park. It's been an amazing effort to get everything back to sort of a, a normal and, and get the pitch ready to play again. So we'll talk yeah. to John a little bit later. Got through in the Cup last night as well. They did, they did. Um, but we're going to start with another team who got through in the Cup um, on Tuesday night this week, just by the skin of their teeth. 
Uh, they were behind to non-league Eastley for the second uh, match in a row. The first game finished in a 1-1 draw. Bolton Wanderers went through by three goals to two. However, to say things have gone badly for Bolton this season would be one hell of an understatement. Right, I'm going to find the league table here. Where are we? Bolton Wanderers, bottom of the championship, played 27, 17 points. They are seven points adrift of safety because of goal difference, effectively eight points adrift of safety with just 19 games of the season to go. But that doesn't even begin to describe the problems that Bolton have been having off the field. Obviously, they're looking for a new owner. Eddie Davis is prepared to write off £172 million of debt um, as they uh, await this new owner. There's a threat of administration. HMRC had threatened them with a winding up order. That was adjourned by the High Court. It will now be on February the 22nd. And today, DC, this Bolton Wanderers have told the club staff and players that they may not get paid this month. Around 300 staff based at the Macron Stadium and the two training grounds were informed of the situation this morning. That's Wednesday the 20th of January as we record. A failure to sell players or agree to deal to sell the car park between the ground and the Middlebrook Retail Park is thought to have caused the funding problem. Now you might remember in November the players um, and staff got paid late uh, back then and it's happened again and obviously they're looking to offload players. So I mean how do you even begin to sum up this situation? Well, it's absolutely desperate, especially for the staff. I mean, the players are one thing. You know, players should get paid on time because they're professionals. They've got contracts like the rest of us. But they're probably going to be okay, most of them anyway, certainly the more experienced ones. But those those hardworking members of staff, especially in January, of almost, it's never good to not get paid uh, in any month. But in January, just after Christmas, you know, come to the end of January, oh, sorry, guys, you're not going to get paid this month. You know, people got mortgages to pay, kids to, to feed, and, and you know, it's a desperate situation. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can have some sort of resolution soon, but it doesn't look great at the moment. It doesn't. Now, Mark Isles is the man who's been all across this story. He's the uh, chief football writer for the Bolton News, follows the club home and away. And uh, we caught up with Mark earlier and uh, started by asking him about today's developments and his reaction when he heard the news. Well, I mean, it was quite a surprise, really, because um, they'd been into the High Court on Monday. Um, no mention whatsoever of the fact that they were going to be paying their uh, administration staff a few days later. Um, in fact, actually, quite the opposite, because I think they were being briefed at the time that the impending sale of the car park was going to give everybody a bit of breathing space, and it might not be quite as dim and gloom for you know the, the, the short-term future, at least. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of shock, really. Um, obviously... It's a, it's a small town, so news gets around extremely quickly. And uh, you know, once once a few of the messages had gone out to the to the workforce, it was, it was painfully obvious that it came as a shock to them as well. So it, it was it was a horrible thing to have to report on because you know you get to know a lot of the people around the club, and um, you know it's, it's hit them really hard. I mean, like anybody after Christmas, you know you're, you're struggling for a few bob, aren't you? After spending over Christmas, and January is a horrible time to, to not have to have to wait for your wage or, or potentially not even get it. I appreciate that this is something of quite a, a, a vast uh, question because it's a very difficult and complicated situation. But I mean, how on earth did things get to this point where you are having to speak to members of staff who are in tears because they're not getting paid? Well, I mean, <laughs> like you say, it's, it's just a vast question and it would take hours and hours and hours to pick through the, the minute of, of what's actually gone wrong. But and like like any club, if you spend more than you can afford, somewhere down the line it's going to crop you up. Now with Bolton, you know, I think as a, as a club historically of their size, they were always spending more than they can afford. Um, even in going back as far as Big Sam and you know the Akotchas and the, the Jorkievs and but at that point in time it's underwritten by Eddie Davis and and, and, and at every single point in time along there, no matter what they spent. 
it was being underwritten by Eddie Davis, and so there wasn't an immediate threat to the future of the football club. Um, it was only when Eddie Davis said, listen, no more, and drew a line under it, that we kind of realised that the financial planning of the football club wasn't good enough. And, and it's really been the last 12, 15 months where things have started to unravel, and we've kind of started to find out just how badly prepared they were for life after Eddie Davis, and when he stopped bankrolling the club. A lot of very poor decisions, and even within that 12 to 15 months, there have been poor financial decisions, not just, it hasn't just been sprung on them. So, um, no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, from a from a Bolton perspective it's been a nightmare from start to finish and obviously they were in the High Court a couple of days ago it's been adjourned till uh, the end of February do you know any more about the situation with regards to getting a new owner what's the latest on that um, I mean we're told there are four parties in in the process at the moment um, that's another thing that came out in the, in the court the other day to kind of be confirmed it's difficult because I think all along the, the process with, with these things, you tend to have uh, buyers are, are excited. They think they're closer than they are, and it's a bit of game playing and brinkmanship, and you know, the club want an extra £5 here and an extra £10 there. So it's, it's all been very difficult to, to to ascertain how long it's going to take. But realistically, I think if they go back to the High Court on the 22nd of February, um, having not paid their staff and having not progressed anywhere with a the buyer, then they really are in trouble. So... I would like to believe that uh, that Trevor Birch, you know, you know, he's, he's, we're in capable hands. He's, he's been there and got the T-shirt as far as uh, clubs in, in financial peril go. Um, I would like to believe that, that by that point in time, they would have a new owner lined up or at least be in, in a position to tell the court that they, they would do in the, in the short-term future. And is your understanding that HMRC were actually willing to wind the club up? It's only because the judge stepped in to stop it because they seem to be pursuing football clubs, um, you know, a bit harder now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think historically football clubs have reached for administration um, rather too easily just to, to wipe out bad debts. And HMRC have been bottom of the pile in a couple of those cases as well. So they've lost money. It's, it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a strange one, really, when you consider how much money football pumps into the tax system. I suppose when you think about it, with the you know the, the tax bracket that the players are out on and. Um, you know, and, and the, the, just the general game in general, I suppose, just in, in being a massive spectator sport as well. But um, no, I mean, they were in a position where they wanted the club wound up. It was never going to be that way. I don't think anybody, given the assets the Bolton Wanderers have got, would would wind them up at this point. But if you can see what's, you know, if you can see what's coming it, down the line, it's, it, you couldn't rule it out. How have um, Neil Lennon and the coaching staff dealt with this situation over the last few months? Um, well, I think it's been one of gradual acceptance. I think it, 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 at one point it came as a, a surprise to, to Neil and, and the coaching staff. I think at the point where they were just about to sign Rajiv van der Parra from Wolves, in fact, and um, uh, Brett Warburton, uh, the vice chairman, who Phil uh, outside the chairman had 4-0. Um, and Brett Warburton turned around and said to, uh, to Neil Lennon, look, we've just, we've just got no money, literally got no money. You, you can't make these signings. So... Uh, at that point in time, he sort of started asking questions and, 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 and it slowly started to unravel for him. But the communication has been absolutely terrible. It really has. I mean, I do, I feel very, very sorry for Neil um, in the respect that he hasn't been kept in the loop for a lot of things. And it, it's been extremely difficult to coach a football team. And there's been rumours again about a couple of players in particular this week. Zach Clough uh, and Bristol City, I believe he's turned that, down that move. And Mark Davis um, and Sheffield Wednesday. How important is it I mean, as bad as it's going to sound for Bolton fans that they do sell players in this window. 
Well, we've been back and forth on that one, really. I think when Zach Clough turned down the move to Bristol City, it was largely celebrated because, you know, we didn't want to lose what who's probably the jewel in the crown, really, for Bolton at the moment. Certainly the one we're pinning our hopes on. Um, it was a big money move and, um, you know, it, it would have been a lucrative one for him personally as well. So everybody was happy about that one. Uh, Mark Davis was a bit of a convoluted one. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of what, why he, he didn't actually finish his move at Sheffield Wednesday, but I think that's had a knock-on effect with all the staff payments as well. It's just the, the timing of the, the move. I think they thought it was over the line. They thought they had that money, and, and, it, and it ended up uh, dissolving. But realistically, uh, at that point in time, we thought, oh, well, fair enough. If they've got breathing space, maybe we don't need to sell players. Now I think we're back to the beginning again, and you know the next couple of weeks until the end of the transfer window are going to be fraught. And what's Eddie Davis sort of had to say for himself throughout this whole episode? Because as it stands, if and when this club gets sold, if it even exists to be sold within the next few weeks, he's gone from a position where once upon a time he was the man that was behind the the, the scenes when Bolton achieved their you know greatest successes of the modern era and now he's gonna you know legacy is completely and utterly tarnished really yeah absolutely um i'd love to tell you exactly what his thoughts are but he doesn't speak to anybody so that's you know that's going to be something that uh will probably not come out in the wash in the future i think he, he keeps his own counsel or he has done um whether they've been doing well whether they've been doing poorly you very 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 seldom get a word with eddie davis so that's been one of the frustrating things. Obviously, you can't really seek any clarification. Um, the, you know, the fact that the chairman's gravely ill as well has made it very difficult, really, to, to, to find out exactly what had gone on and what's got us into this position in the, the first place. So it's, it's a lot of directionless anger at the minute at Baltimore. Wanderers. I feel uh, so, so sorry for you know the staff and the, the, the people that are being affected by it, um, and not the least the fans, of course, but um, you know the, the people that are through no fault of their own, stuck in the middle of this, uh, it must be a, a terrible situation. And as for on the field, obviously uh, out of the League Cup to a lower league team, only just got past non-league Eastley in the uh, in the FA Cup, bottom of the Championship, two wins from 27 games. I mean, relegation's sort of nailed on, isn't it? Well, uh, again, you know, you live in hope, don't you, as a football fan? Um, and you certainly do as a football writer, but uh, it, it, it's one of those. If, if a, a white... Knight was to come in on his horse in the next couple of weeks and and make everything better again. Then you've got 15 games maybe to save your season. Um, I, I you know being realistic, I suppose yes. Uh, I think you're looking at League One football. They've got a game against MK Dons this weekend that you think if they win, you know maybe maybe. But you know we've been saying maybe we've been saying you know it it can it can happen for for, for a long time now. So it, it's getting more and more difficult to to make yourself believe that and, and you know in the build up to a game like this. But it, it has been done. You know stranger things have happened in football. So I think we'll uh, we'll carry on. You know hoping against hope. I suppose. I think you're right to to say that really because although on paper it looks like it's almost a certainty and. It's not even really the main focus of the club at the moment. There are more important things to be sorting out and the focus is off the pitch, of course. But if they were to get something sorted financially to tide them through and someone comes in to, to save the club's short-term future at least, what you've got to do is you know, win one match and it's down to four points. And then the players that are there and the managers and the coaching staff, you know, that little bit of belief can creep back in. And you know, it's, if they are going to stay up and, and, and do something stage something of a miraculous escape the, the thing that needs to happen is the away form in, in particular needs to improve because no wins away from home three draws 11 defeats 
31 goals conceded and just nine scored. I mean, the home, the two wins have come at home, obviously, and the rest of the form at home has been bad enough. But away, it's been awful. It has. I mean, to be fair as well, uh, since Neil Lennon came in, the away form has been awful. It's it's not been a, uh, you know, a this season thing, or you can't pin it on what's been happening recently. The away form has been terrible since he came in, sort of 15-ish months, or 14-ish months ago. Um, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, on, on paper, you look at the form over the last 12 months, see how many wins they've put together, uh, and, you know, one win away from home Easter, Easter Monday, I think it was, um, last year. It, it, it's very, very difficult to convince yourself it can be done. Um, but everything starts somewhere, doesn't it? And, you know, mathematically, there are other clubs struggling at the bottom. You know, there's been, I mean, you look at Charlton and, and teams like that, and Rotherham, and they, they've not managed to get away from it that much. And every time you think one win, they start getting set back down again. And, you know, a couple of wins, all of a sudden you believe again. It's not over until it's over, is it? And, and you know, I think, I think that's a great thing. About uh, about following the football club, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's having that little bit of hope that, uh, that it might not be bad in the end. It's the hope that kills you. And Mark, just before you go, one final thing I wanted to ask you about was the Supporters Trust, uh, which has just been uh, set up at the club. A couple of high-profile ex-players uh, involved. Um, there was the, the meeting at the Macron Stadium a few weeks ago. John McGinley and Kevin Davis, just a couple of the names. Uh, tell us about that, because that's now all been set up and officially formed, hasn't it? It has. I mean, that that really is is a little glimmer of hope on the horizon. And regardless of what happens, the the ownership, whether somebody comes in and buys it in the next couple of weeks, or whether or not you know the worst should happen, and you're talking about administration or any of those things, I, I think there is a real uh, chance for the trust to have a say in the future of the football club. And you only had to see you know a thousand people packed into uh, the Macron Stadium for the opening launch night. Um, now I think there's some, they're closing in on 5,000 um, membership, which is incredible. Uh, especially, you know, we, on, on the launch night, we, we spoke with uh, people from the Pompey Trust who have been fantastic down there and, and completely saved that club. Now, the Pompey Trust have only got 2,000 fans. Bolton did that in 24 hours. So the appetite is very, very clearly there with Bolton supporters, and they do believe in this uh, system. It's obviously a rush job at the minute. They're trying to get themselves together. They, they, you know, they're trying to rally for support. They've had some fantastic backing from legends like like Kev and Super John, and I know we've had messages from people like Gudney Bergson and, and Stu Holden and Bibby Gardner. Um, you know, people that have, have kept tabs from around the world on on how Bolton are doing, and and they too believe that this could be the way forward. So. There's a lot of goodwill out there for Bolton. Um, it feels like it's the end of the world at the moment, but it, it needn't be the case. Well, let's hope it isn't, Mark. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I know it's been a, an awful few months to report on all this. Um, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel soon. Fingers crossed. Thank you. Cheers, mate. That's Mark Isles, the uh, Chief Football Writer uh, from the Bolton News. And we're going to turn our attention to the situation at Carlisle next. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So this Saturday, it'll be 49 days since Storm Desmond did its worst and we saw those terrible scenes in Cumbria and Carlisle. And since then, of course, uh, Carlisle United have been able, unable to play their home games at Brunton Park. The players um, helped out in the local community in the aftermath of that storm. However, on Saturday, they're going to be back. Uh, the first game since the floods hit, they're going to play York City in League Two at Brunton Park. And they go into that game off the back of a morale-boosting penalty shootout win against Yeovil in the FA Cup, which has set up 
a fourth round FA Cup tie against Everton, uh, which is going to have uh, the TV trucks heading down there as well. So a bit of a cash windfall. Let's get um, a view on the situation that's been happening at Carlisle over the last few months, uh, because a little bit earlier, DC caught up uh, with John Coleman, who we've had on the show before. Now, John is uh, the uh, Carlisle United writer for Cumbrian Newspapers. He is at John Coleman, no H, on Twitter, if you want to follow him. And uh, DC started by asking John about that dramatic FA Cup win against Yeovil um, and asked if it was one of the maddest Carlisle games that he's covered. Yes, probably. Um, I've covered them, I've reported on them for sort of 10 years plus I've followed them for quite a number of years prior to that as well and it is a club that's had a lot of sort of wild and crazy nights and days sort of intermittently but um, Tuesday would certainly be up there it was just everything that could have happened and a few other things that you didn't think would happen all happened um, from the I mean to be honest the first sort of 70 odd minutes of the game were pretty disappointing from Carlisle's point of view there were there were a goal down they weren't playing particularly well and it was looking it was looking like a bit of a damp squib and, uh, and an exit from the cup but then the they got the equaliser and then there was the, the sort of melee in the box and Jabo Ibira steaming in on the goalkeeper and somehow avoiding a red card. I still can't quite fathom how he, how he managed to get away with the book in there. Then there was the sort of really sort of melodramatic injury time penalty where Zoko, who was, who was a, a real big favourite at Carlisle, steps up and takes one of the worst penalties you'll ever see. Then two red cards in extra time. Um, the woodwork's been hit two or three times. And then, lo and behold, we have the, the penalty shootout and, and the best penalty you'll probably ever see was taken by Mark Ellis to win it. So, yeah, by the time it all finished, everyone's hearts were, were racing, blood pressure was through the roof. And um, the outcome, given what's what's happened in the area of Carlisle and Cumbria, was, was a really sort of a real bonus and a real sort of fillip for, for people. So all's well that ends well, but they the really do test your, um, test your nerves. And Everton up next in the fourth round. And as you just said, a, a real welcome boost to the, for the fans and for the club and also for the finances, given the, the tough month that's just been. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's it's a real sort of pull for for people this time now. Um, with Brunton Park having been out of action for 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 such a long time, I mean the the, the, the comeback game is this weekend in the league against York, and then and then very soon after that we've got Everton and, and their sort of star names coming up here. There should be a good crowd, and financially it's it's a real boost for the club um, in terms of the prize money and, and the TV money they're going to get as well. Um, so it's yeah, it, it it couldn't the timing couldn't really be better for them, and I think it's just gives gives people gives you know especially supporters. Um, Sort of in this part of the world, just a real nice focus and a real positive thing to to look forward to. Which, which, and the need sort of all those things they can get at the moment, given what's what's happened up here. So tell us how how the club, I mean, and the and the people of Carlisle really have come through the floods and and the the difficult scenes that we've seen on the news. Because it's, it's very easy, I think, for someone like me who lives down in London to to kind of take for granted just how difficult this must have been for the people uh, involved in Carlisle United. Yeah, it's. I think to say how, how people have come through it, I think that it's probably slightly premature. I don't think people can come through it and have got through it um, by this stage, sort of just really less than two months later. It's, it's going to be a long and very hard process for a heck of a lot of people in, in this part of the world. Um, we've seen some incredible stories and examples of community spirit 
across across Cumbria, really, that, that's, that's quite inspiring in, in pretty horrendous times. And Carlisle United has been sort of one sort of small aspect of that and has certainly played its part in that. Um, the club, you know, especially the players um, who went out and, and sort of helped a lot of people on you know in the streets near the ground by helping clear the houses of sort of flood damage things and and you know that it showed that the club and, and the squad were um were sort of human beings living in the, the real world and showing that they were they were very aware of what was going on on the doorstep and that that went down well that was a really sort of good sort of symbolic act as well um so in that respect, um, it, it's been approached, I think, in the right way. In terms of actually physically getting things back going again, um, the club have been have acted quite quite quickly. I think this Saturday it'll be just 49 days since the flood struck and they're going to get a game back on there. So they have been working hard in, in very difficult circumstances. You know, office staff have been sort of scattered a, a, across the city. Um, companies have been lending a hand, doing them favours, allowing them to use office space. They've had porter cabins at the ground. They've had to lay a new pitch entirely in, in incredibly short space of time, which is a real tribute to how the ground staff and, and everyone who's helped them has, has worked as well. Um, they've been playing away from away from home at grounds in Lancashire and supporters have had to get 90 plus miles down the road to a, to a home match. And you, you don't do any of these things, I don't think, without a real sort of spirit and a just a willingness just to, to get on with things as best you can and to try and put the difficulties on the shelf and to one side as much as you can and and try and get a bit of normality going even if even if sort of real full normality is going to be you're going to be months away possibly longer for a lot of people yeah of course i mean yeah you're, you're totally right to say of course it's, it's going to take a long time for the, for people's homes their lives their businesses to get back to to some semblance of normality but i mean the, looking at the team purely at the football club how have they been affected in terms of keeping it together with results on the pitch and obviously not playing at Brunton Park? Um, I, th- I think they've done okay. I think it's it's been a it's been a pretty disrupting time for them. Albeit it's you know it, it doesn't even compare with how how flooding affects people's lives. Um, you know, a football team having to train at a few different places and play a couple of games elsewhere it doesn't really. It's not really on the same level. But I, I think you know it, it's had a disrupting effect in in a sense of of losing a couple of games as well over the festive period. Um, and, you know, one of those was a Carlisle home game. You know, one of them was an away game. So that wasn't really anything to do with the, the Cumbrian floods, so I, I think it, I think it knocked them out of the stride a little bit. Um, although they're a pretty sort of grounded squad of players from from everything I've seen this season, they've they've just they've just kind of got on with things. Um, you know, results haven't fallen off the cliff by any means. They've, you know, the first the first game. After the flood, um, the first sort of away home game was at Preston, and, and they gave Notts County an absolute hiding. So, you know, since then, yeah, the performances probably haven't been as fluent and as flowing as as they'd have liked. A couple of the pitches they've played and haven't been sensational either. So there's there's a bit of mitigation there. Um, but the, you know, they, they have they have they have got on with it. The club has actually backed them pretty well in the last few days by letting them stay down in the south after the Barnet League game. Um, so they were, they were really down south for for five. Five days until they've got the oval tie done, so that that eased a bit of the strain on them in terms of travelling and the tiredness that that would bring and stuff. So the, the, the football side of things has um, has sort of plodded on pretty well. Keith Curl's a pretty 
he's a pretty single-minded manager in terms of knowing how he wants to work and how he, he wants things sort of professionally done and stuff. So I think he's been he's been stressing that as much as he can whilst being conscious of, of the sort of unique situation that the club and the staff and, and everything else has been in. So I, I think there's, there's a pretty good feeling around the team this season, the, the sort of upper mid-table chasing the playoffs kind of area in, in, in League 2 with, with a couple of games in hand. So uh, there is a feeling that it could it could still be a pretty special season and that's you know that's aside from the FA Cup run which has been the best the best run the club's had for, for 19 years. Often when you, you look at sides that you, so you don't watch week in week out you'll look at the top goal scoring charts and and for for an idea as to who the best players are. Now Jabo Abire is, is your top scorer but that doesn't always tell the the true story. So who who have been the, the stars of the show this season? Um, well, well, I think I think Jabo Ibira would still be the first name you, you would look at because, especially in the early stages of the season, when when Carlisle was still gelling and they weren't winning games with with great regularity, he was he was almost single-handedly pulling them into games and scoring an incredible number of goals in the first few weeks. So I think in terms of setting the tone for the team's character and its spirit, I think he's still the the standout man this season. But but you're right, it's it's certainly not a one-man team and, and Iberia's had a period of injury and, and there's been periods when, when other players have really stepped up. Um, the captain, Danny Granger, probably deserves... Um, quite a strong mention in this. He had a he had a hard time of it last season. He's a local fellow who, who was signed the summer before last. Um, the team really floundered last season, and, and he he struggled for form, and he caught quite a lot of a lot of criticism, a lot of stick. Some justified, some probably a bit overboard. Um, he's shown a lot of character himself this season as as captain, as the leader. And and just as a player, his performance levels have been excellent. He's one of the best sort of crosses of a ball you'll see at this level, and he's he's led the team on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, in terms of its community stuff as well. Um, he's been a real uh, star performer for them last last few months. Um, he, he went off at half time, injured on on Tuesday night at Yeovil, and and it's hoped that that's not going to keep him out for long. It would be a real shame if he was to miss some of these big games coming up. You can also look at. at, at one or two of the, the sort of other experienced figures. They've got Michael Reigns at the back. Um, he's in centre half that's been that's been around a while now, and he sort of knows the level. Mark Ellis, who they've just recently brought in, another really solid, um, quite experienced defender. Um, and Mark Gillespie, the goalkeeper, who, who's had a, has had a bit of a nightmare with injury over the last couple of seasons, but he's he's touch wood uh, managed to string string a lot of games together this season, and he's showing he's showing a lot of his. His potential and his quality, and he's he's probably one to watch over the next two or three years as well. So they've got a good spine, they've got a good core um, of players, and and it's just, I think, from a fan's perspective now, it's whether they've just got that little bit of star quality that will get them from where they are now right into the mix of the promotion run, and that's going to be that's going to be the key over the next few weeks. Now you touched on it briefly earlier, but I wanted to ask you about the financial situation at the club because I've been reading some of your pieces online and. It's quite an interesting picture, really, because there was talk, it seems, unbeknownst to me until until recently, um, some time ago, of a billionaire coming in to Carlisle United to invest in the club. But uh, as yet, that hasn't transpired. And there has been some investment, as you mentioned, in terms of the staying down south for a bit longer. A few players have got new deals. Um, so what's the financial situation now and, and going forward? Well, you, yeah, the, the billionaire has been... Um I mean, things like this are almost um, not swept aside, but kind of just put on the shelf a little bit, I think, while hmm. the club has been recovering from the floods. And I think that's where, where supporters 
attention and energies have been, and, and, and probably rightly so. But yeah, in the background, there's still um, there's still quite a curious um, situation going on financially. The, the billionaire was something that was announced as far back as last May. Um, the club announced that they'd had a genuine and firm, in inverted commas, approach from from a, an investment sort of suitor. Um, this was at a time when when another more local investment um, proposal was was being in the process of being rejected by the club. Um, and yeah, th- this transpired that it was apparently an overseas billionaire. Now, since then, and we're talking months on, um, nothing has really materialised on this. It's been a very curious and um, and a little bit embarrassing sort of situation, really, that this thing has been persisted with. It's not being put to bed. It's not really come to to any kind of fruition or clarity. So, so this is going on in the background, um, along with sort of a, a more recent kind of investment proposal, which is involving the supporters, uh, supporters club and some local businesses. There's not too much flesh on the bones of that yet, but the, these things are going on in the background. In, in the meantime, um, the club is is quite heavily in debt to the chairman Andrew Jenkins, has been a director for decades, um, and yeah, he, him and his company are owed. 1.8 million, um, according to the last accounts. Um, so, so yeah, there's a, there's a background there in terms of finances that, that is, is a concern, and it's a concern in, in terms of what's the long-term picture going to be. Um, they've they've reaped quite a few profits this season in terms of having the big cup tie at Liverpool in the League Cup. Um, they sold a couple of the young players last summer, so and obviously this Everton game is going to rake in a bit more as well. So. The immediate financial sort of strain has been eased quite a lot by that, but I think the long-term picture is something that concerns supporters. They want to see some real clarity and some real drive in terms of where it's going to be in two, three, or four years. Um, there's also an idea of a new stadium, which has kind of been on the table for for about five years now, without really going anywhere too. So there are concerns and there are worries, and there's, there's I think there's a kind of an overhanging scepticism about where the, the direction of the club is kind of pointing. But I think that the short term and the immediate focus is, is very much on on the immediate stuff after the floods and, and just the club getting back on its feet and, and functioning, which, which Touchwood is seem, seeming to do pretty well. It must be a tricky sort of sell, uh, Carlisle, for investment because kind of its strengths are also its weaknesses at the same time. It's... It's, it's the only club in the area, in the immediate area, which you'd think is a good thing in terms of catchment area and getting support, but it's also quite remote. It's quite far away from from the kind of footballing civilization, if you like, and in terms of attracting players to move up there and be in that area as well. So it's kind of a catch-22 situation, I'd imagine. In a sense, yeah, yeah, it perhaps is. It, it, does, it, does make, it does make you wonder why an overseas billionaire would sort of flip his eyelashes at the club, but uh, that doesn't seem to be as credible as maybe some some like to think a few months ago. Um, the more realistic kind of investment proposals and ideas of late seem to have involved very much locally based people or certainly people with local connections. And that, that might be a more realistic way for the club to go um, rather than just simply pulling in a mega a mega money man from from far afield, but but you, you just never know in football these days. I mean, some of the some of the owners, some of the investments you've seen at other clubs that might not be particularly glamorous. You, you wouldn't have imagined or guessed that say ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. So, I don't think Carlisle as a club should should do itself down. I think it should accentuate its strengths and its positives. 
um, and its kind of assets um, as much as it can in terms of attracting that sort of investment rather than um, sort of dwelling on its on its drawbacks, which I think maybe has been done a bit too much maybe over the years. So, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think they should. I don't think they should they should rule out anything like that. But I think there also has to be a level of realism in terms of who 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 are the right people to to come in and try and drive it forward and just inject a bit of sort of fresh fresh money, fresh energy, and sort of fresh fresh kind of business brains into the place and. It would be it would be reassuring, I think, to get some some more colour into that picture in the fullness of time. And um, once once these sort of hard few weeks are kind of just receding into the past a little bit. John, thanks very much for your time. We wish you well for no the rest problem. of the season. Pleasure. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the football league covered. So that was John Coleman from Cumbria Newspapers talking to DC a little bit earlier on. And right now, I'm not really sure where to start with this, mate. (laughs) Um, We've got, uh, well, the best part of two mums to discuss. So everyone, make yourself a brew, settle in. Month and a half. Put your your feet up. December the 3rd was our last show. Yes, Okay. So yeah, best part of six weeks. Obviously a lot of games played over those six weeks though because of Christmas. Mm. Um, Loads has gone on. Uh, You've been kind enough to try and compile a little list of us. Um, um, There's been plenty of managerial changes um, and the transfer window is now open as well. Should we start in the championship? I think we should. Uh, When we last did a show, Brighton led the way. Uh, Two points clear of Middlesbrough. They've fallen back to fifth since. Uh, The top six as we record. Middlesbrough and Hull uh, in the top two positions. Derby, Burnley, Brighton, Sheffield, Wednesday. And the bottom three, Bolton, as we discussed, Charlton and Bristol City. So, DC, I'm going to hand the reins uh, of the podcast over to you right now. What What do you want to talk about? Where do you want to start? Well, let's look at the top, shall we? Well, seems the obvious place. Middlesbrough, they've only moved up one place since we last uh, did a proper show, but they have opened up something of a little gap. Uh, would have been even bigger if they could have managed to avoid defeat to lowly Bristol City mm. uh, at the weekend. But they have got a game in hand on second place Hull, yes. and they're, they're currently two points ahead, so they, they could go five points clear uh, with that game, if they win that game in hand and it stays the same. But I think you never know what you're going to get, do you, from losing playoff finalists? the next time round. Um, I do mm. remember us talking about them at the end of the last season and the start of this. I think we were reasonably confident that they would keep it together uh, and that Karanka would keep improving as a manager because he's still very inexperienced as a number one manager, lest we forget. Uh, and they've still got very good players and you it know, looks like they are the best team in the league at the moment. Comfortably, I would say. Hull City, as I said, in second. They're looking good. Uh, they're one of the relegated sides. Derby and Burnley, uh, both fancy to be up there. Brighton and some fifth. little rumbles at Derby. All oh, right, go on. Rumbles of discontent, even though they even though they are only third, what well, they're four points behind Hull. So that's you know that's a, a small gap that they'll need to close quickly as well. But um, yeah, I mean they lost three 0 didn't they, at the weekend to Birmingham, and uh, I, I saw a few of their fans on Twitter after Couple the game. Couple of blinding goals in that game, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and I, I just saw a few little murmurs that. Maybe I think maybe the experiences of last season and how quickly that all fell apart. Maybe they're maybe that's coming back to haunt them and they're wary of it happening again. But I mean, they've spent a lot of money, but a lot of players in the summer, and um, no doubt they'll spend more in January as well. Um, so promotion really is the order of the day for them this season. So I, I can I can forgive their fans for getting worried already, but 
you know, there's still plenty of time for them to, to go up. James Tarkovsky, the Brentford player, refused to play, didn't he, on Friday night yeah. against Burnley? Saw that story over the last well, few it's days. Well, the whole Warburton trying to get a load of players from uh, from Brentford to take up north <laughs> to, to, uh, Rangers. to Rangers. Uh, Tumani Diego Ruga is another one, I think, who, who well wants done. out to go and rejoin his old manager. What else we got? 15th QPR. They've slipped four places. Jimmy well, they've Ford only after. just won their first game under yeah. Hasselbank. We've lost Charlie Austin as well now to Southampton. Four yeah. million quid. What a steal that is. Well, it's a good deal for... I think it's a good deal for both sides really I mean QPR will be sad to see him go but really they're not going to you know be very unlikely for them to, to get up now He's if you're going to keep him in the summer like they did you'd, you'd hope that if he stays you'll shoulder the wages that he may have been on in the hope that he'll get you back up at the first time of asking that's not that's not going to happen uh, he was going to leave in the summer anyway he was out of contract so someone offering you 4 million quid for him he gets to go and play in the Premier League you get 4 million that you can reinvest I'm sure Jimmy will be glad to use those funds if they're available to him uh, because it hasn't really hit the ground running hasn't really worked for him so far has it I saw uh, one of the players saying that he, he feels that the side lacks an identity and they're not really sure what they're trying to do at the moment and maybe it's taking a little bit longer than Jimmy would have liked for them to find their feet but just the whole thing at the club is the whole situation no matter who is in charge it still seems to be just as confusing you've got Chris Ramsey has gone back to the club after having been sacked unceremoniously a few weeks ago and he was on match of the day slagging the club off really <laughs> yeah and then a couple of weeks later they say oh come back Chris it's all right we want you as a, a technical director or, or whatever his title is and you've got Les Ferdinand is there as well is Warnock still there do we know <laughs> what I mean probably it's it's all a bit of a mess really isn't it who is steering the ship there has been the question for they've, many um, a year now yeah they've just signed Connor Washington from Peterborough though yeah well, and again, I'm I'm not sure that this is. I'm thinking in in stark contrast to the Charlie Austin deal. I think this is a much better deal for Peterborough than it is for QPR. Now, this is a player with promise, no doubt about that. He's been on red hot form in the last few weeks, as a uh, few months even, as Peterborough have, have improved since Wesley came in. Wesley certainly got the best out of him in recent times, but it's a lot of money for a player who hasn't scored that many goals over the course of his, albeit short career so far. And it could, I think it's, you know, I'm led to believe that the the initial fee is only the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of add-ons in this contract that could see QPR paying a significant amount of money. I mean, of course, if they pay the add-ons, that means he will have been a success. So, so fair enough. But I think it's another example of Peterborough getting maximum value for a player who didn't cost them very much at all. Slavisa Jukanovic back in the championship after getting promoted with Watford last season. He's taken over at Fulham. Uh, yeah. You were pleased to see him back. I know, obviously, I was, yeah. a lot of Fulham fans were pleased to see him. Did you have a chant for you, Kanovic? I'm trying to remember. When we I did. Oi, oi. Oi, oi. Slavisa Jakanovic. Yes, I thought I remembered it. I was I was telling my my housemate about your your Igalo chant as well the other day. He's a big fan of that. Anyway, so off the topic. Jakanovic is back at Fulham, but they are loitering above the relegation zone, along with Blackburn, Leeds, and plenty of old Premier League teams. They've slipped six places since we since we last spoke. Again, a manager who's not quite got to grips with his with his new team yet. I think it will take a bit of time. It took a bit of time when he when he took over from Watford, and interestingly enough, the game where it clicked for him and he and he never looked back from was a five-nil thrashing of Fulham at Craven Cottage on a Friday night. 
He is, as you will have heard me talk about last season, he's a very flexible manager tactically, likes to change things mid-games, changes the formation, brings on substitutions to change the game if he feels that that's what needs to happen. Not always the most exciting football. He's, he can be, he's pragmatic. I think he does what needs to be done. He looks at the players that he's got and thinks, right, this is the way we need to play to beat this team. These are the players we need to pick to, to beat this team. Let's play this way this week and another way uh, the next. So it'll be interesting. I think Fulham are a club that, similar to, not, not quite as badly managed as QPR, uh, certainly haven't hit the headlines as much, but really just as much of a basket case in terms of them being miles off from where they were in the Premier League since they've come down from the Championship. A lot of players have come through that club. A real mixture. And I think there is a real lack of identity, never mind QPR. I think Fulham as well suffer from a real sort of lack of identity in terms of the way they play and the players they've got. So I'll be very interested to see if if old Slav can repeat <laughs> the success he had at Watford. It's a different club. But the one similarity, which I think possibly what swung it for him and what maybe meant that Steve Clark didn't go there when he nearly did is that he's going to be the head coach and he's not necessarily going to make the decisions of in, about recruitment, which a more traditional manager may like to do. And obviously at Watford, that was the case and he flourished under that system. So it bodes well for Fulham fans, but so far hasn't quite worked, but we'll see early days. Sorry, that was me dropping off my papers on the floor. Um, on Friday, I believe you're going to the United States of America, if mm. I'm not mistaken. I, I remember again. you telling yeah, me yeah. that last weekend. Yeah. Now, the man you're going with is friend of the show, Sean. Sean yes. Thorne, Bristol City fan, last mm-hmm. season, absolutely overjoyed with how the Robins were playing. Steve Cottrell, did they get record points? They certainly got came close to it if they didn't in, the, in uh, League One, winning the title. Um, and here we are, this is football, 24, 25 games into the next season, he's gone. 27 games. In fact, 27 well, games now, into the yeah, next season. Yeah, he's been season. gone for a few games. But um, yeah, and of course I've spoken to Sean about this and he thinks it's a good decision. Uh, I think the fan base is pretty much split in terms of backing him and the others that wanted to sack him uh, and the sacking uh, side of seemingly won because he's gone and I think from what Sean was saying to me there seemed to be an unwillingness on Cotterill's part to change the tactics to change the team selection when clearly something needed to happen to arrest their, their poor form and to get them further up the table and out of the relegation zone they've, they've slipped back into the bottom three now uh, they beat Middlesbrough since he's left couple of new players came in that, you know, or players that hadn't been playing have come in uh, since he's left so maybe that uh, maybe they were right in what they were saying that he wasn't flexible enough but it's strange because they had such a brilliant season last year they scored so many goals and they, they played good football and it was a real uh, feel-good place Ashton Gate and it's just all evaporated really quickly normally we see teams that romp to the League One title like that at least hold their own in the division uh, and Bristol City were were not doing that. And if they're you know if they're not careful, they're going to go back down again. So they've done something to try and arrest the decline. And we'll see who comes in there. At the moment, it's John Pemberton <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, the player uh, Wade Elliott. Wade Elliott. Who, yeah, who are uh, the sort of joint caretakers at the moment. Pemberton's kind of the the more senior of the two. Uh, has been on the touchline for the uh, the FA Cup uh, games against West Brom. The the first one in the replay. The, I watched the replay last night terrible game <laughs> really poor game of football Bristol City had a really good chance to, to go ahead in the first half and, and they missed it put the ball wide hey mate uh, only, only one game of football last night mattered we'll, never, we'll come on to that really in it uh, apart from that West Brom weren't much better but they just got through on the night But um, brought in um, Ben yeah. Gladwin and Alex Pearce on loan in the last couple of days like yesterday yeah I mean they're not bad signings they're both players that have done okay haven't they in recent years but their, their moves certainly Gladwin's to QPR hasn't worked out in the way he thought it would um, but look Bristol City they're well in touch but on Cottrell it's interesting I think because he, he very much seems to be a manager that 
does well initially when he comes into clubs, has impacts, and he's got promotions under his belt, a number of promotions under his belt, but never sustained success over a mm. period of three or four, five or more seasons. It was a couple of seasons, 18 months here, two years there, and then something happens, it goes awry, and he moves on and gets another job. Um, so I th- I'm sure he'll get another job, lower down or, or League One or maybe Championship if he's lucky. Um, but yeah, it's he, can, he can't quite seem to do it long term. But he's back on the merry-go-round now. I'm sure he'll be getting off again pretty soon. <laughs> uh, League One next then. Uh, we'll move down to League One. Uh, Burton Albion were top when we did our last show. Burton Albion are top now, but they've got a new manager uh, in charge, except he's the old manager. So hello to the new old boss. Um, Nigel Clough is back uh, in charge. Yeah, of what do you Brewers. reckon? Would you think it's a good move for... Cloughy, um, junior. Well, they say never go back sometimes, don't they? But I suppose well, they do way, say that. I suppose I mean, it's one of the oldest cliches. But <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't. Yeah, no. Well, obviously they're a slightly uh, smaller club. If you are going to go back, go back when they're than, top of the league. Well, yeah, <laughs> smaller ambitions than Derby and Sheffield United. Sort of less pressure. But I suppose, as you say, top of the league. Uh, they're still top of the league. They were two points clear uh, when we did our last show. The two points clear now. So Wolves going well, I think. Uh, Walsall in second. Can I just say, can I just interject here? Before please, we, please, before please we, interject, mate. Before we move down the League One table. Yeah. Um, there's a great bit on the Guardian today. Yeah. Um, where is it called? The knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The knowledge where they do they answer like interesting questions. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was about players who have played for clubs that are on the same train line. <laughs> right, because Ian Dowie, some punter noticed that Ian Dowie had played for three clubs on the same. I think it was Hendon, Luton, and St Albans. Okay, I think. someone's got a little bit too much time in their hands. Yeah, but on, on, on the same line. Pass. Forgive me if I've got one of those wrong. Um, and yeah, so they said, are there, any, "Are there any other players like this?" Of course, the people at the Guardian went away and delved into the archives, got the Rothmans out, uh, <laughs> and found uh, quite a few players who'd done that. Uh, but the, one of the the only managers who have performed that feat is indeed Nigel Clough. Ah, Sheffield, Derby, and Burton, yes. all on the same line. And uh, consecutively as well. Always knew Cluffy was a train spotter. <laughs> um, second place, Walsall. Uh, they've got um, Sean O'Driscoll in charge there. Yeah, in a minute. I actually I think that's saw quite a good fit. I actually saw Walsall on Saturday, the day after uh, I saw you for our Friday night, which, by the way, didn't result in bowling at 11 p.m. as you promised no, on the mini episode last week, no. uh, which is a bit it's of a, a shame. Story for another day, that is. <laughs> isn't it? Just um, but yeah, on Saturday uh, we were three 0 down at half. Berry were three 0 down at home to Walsall at half time. Genuinely, one of the worst 45 minutes of football from my, sort of the point of view of watching my own team that I've ever seen uh, but fair play to Walsall they did a job they hung on in the end to win 3-2 um, and that's because um, O'Driscoll's in charge there because Dean Smith of course has gone to Brentford um, and he's a man who was at Liverpool at the start of this season if my mind serves he's me correctly he's been around has not he he's been, he has. really has been around the last couple of years it's been an unsettling old time for, for Sean O'Driscoll he's never stayed in one place for too long um, could I put him in back to Bristol City as a potential shout <laughs> I don't think that will be happening okay. I did, that certainly wasn't a very happy time the yes. fans did not take to him there at all and I don't really think he took to them either um, but I think this seems I think this should be a good fit at Walsall they're a club that have been very settled under Dean Smith played some good football a lot of young players that have come through there in recent years and those are all things that you'd associate with Sean O'Driscoll so uh, it should be good and they're flying high on the table as well perfect time for him to take over they are managerial changes uh, are plenty in this division as you mentioned uh, Mark Robbins leaving Scumford that's what happens if you lose 5-0 to Blackpool you get the instant sack mm. and that well he got sacked the on, the, on the what after one game last season so, yeah, yeah. yeah it's an improvement it's of sorts yeah. yeah that's very true um, also down there Colchester who've got a new manager Kevin Keane 
has taken charge there. Um, he's previously had caretaker spells at Macclesfield and West Ham, uh, but he's in charge there in the relegation zone. And John Sheridan has gone in at Oldham. David Dunn was sacked or certainly left the club. And uh, John Sheridan hired from Newport County. And I don't know if you saw this brilliant picture on Twitter um, on the Wednesday, I think it was. I think he was basically the announcement was made on the Thursday. He was presented to the media on the Friday. This is last week, if I remember rightly. Um, And on the Wednesday, there was a picture on Twitter of John Sheridan, the Oldham chairman, Simon Corney, and one of the members of the board uh, reportedly in Tesco in Oldham. Fantastic. Having a meeting. Um, in a meeting in Tesco? Yeah, and it might have been Down one of the coffee. aisles Well, no, 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 no. I think it's in like the cost a bit. Um, right. But of course there was a bit of... Um, it's a shame. There was a bit of... Uh, meeting in 17. <laughs> yeah. Meeting by the fruit and veg. Yeah. Um, no, um, there was Not a... by the fruit and veg. That's busy. That's always at the start. Like, go <laughs> well, down like the... I don't know, like the, the domestic products yes. aisle or something. Yeah, yeah go, down that, go down that end of, the, uh, of, your, of your local supermarket. Um, to the pulses. Yes. Um, no, there was uh, a story that Newport had reported Oldham to the Football League because they hadn't given permission to John Sheridan to speak to uh, Oldham at the point he was pictured in Tesco speaking to Oldham. <laughs> but anyway, he's in it's charge. not the best, is it? No. Really? You'd be a bit annoyed if you're a Newport yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, well, they've, they've acted quick. They've got Warren Feeney in charge yeah. now. I mean, we'll the, come on to them soon. Newport, one of the smallest clubs around, and I'm sure he's obviously looked at the situation and thought, well, Oldham are bigger. Well, he's they're previously a division high. I've been there before. You know, I'd prefer to be there. It's a better job. But I think it leads a bad taste. Whenever you go, whenever you're a manager and you, you, because they're the first, they're the first people to complain, aren't yes. they, when they're sacked? Yeah. After three months. So if you leave somewhere after three months, I, I think you've got to kind of got to go both ways, isn't it? Yeah, sad to see Martin Ling have to step down as Swindon it manager. Is. That's and happened you, since you we wonder, last did the show. You wonder now whether that will probably be it for him, maybe as as a as a manager. Ho- hopefully not. Maybe he can get get himself uh, back to a position where he feels he can take a job on, and somebody will be able to have that confidence in him. But he's still involved in the game. He does scouting. He's been doing some youth academy work as well. So I'm sure there's a way for him to still be involved in the game, but maybe not be that that main man that uh, that you know has to have that pressure on them, which clearly. Unfortunately, he struggled to deal with, and it's a yeah, it's a shame. I've got to mention my own team. Well, I kind of already have actually. After I was thinking about it, mentioned the Warsaw game. We've had a really, really poor run. The standard Christmas kind of fall off the wagon uh, stage of the season, um, and David Flickcroft coming under a little bit of pressure. Mm. I think it was uh, nine defeats in the last fifteen before a backs to the wall job away at Bradford in the FA Cup third round. Nil nil in the first game. Nil nil in the second game. Over. A, uh, 90 minutes with 10 men. Who have you got next? Hung on for penalties. 4-2 victory. Hull City at home in round four. Not beyond the realms of possibility. Not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah. And it could be a sort of season-changing result because we had such a good first few months of the season mm. and we've been so bad. You've only picked up three points since the last episode. Yeah, Is that You're, true? You are the... Yeah, you had, thir- oh my you had 30 points on the 1st of December. You've now got 33. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that tells its own story, you doesn't are the, it? You are the division's biggest... Downward uh, yeah, in that right. in that time, uh, and the t- the division's highest uh, uh, upwards trajectory has gone to uh, Barnsley, who were bottom of the league yes. on the first of December with 18 points. They're now 17th with 30 points, just three points behind you. And we play them in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's the 7th of February, uh, around that period, anyway. Um, so yeah, things are hopefully that 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 will sort of change our fortunes. That result, but yeah, Sheffield United going well as well. They they've are. got. They're now on the cusp of the playoffs, having been mired in mid-table mediocrity before that. They're up. They're up five. Uh, five places. On to League Two. Then next, uh, Plymouth Argyle lead the way, top of the division. Northampton in second. Oxford 
the FA Cup sort of giant killers of Swansea in third and in the playoffs Bristol Rovers Pompey Aki and Wickham as things stand do you want me to do my bit where I go through all the teams again and <laughs> yeah. get the music ready? You can do. I, I haven't had a chance to get the music. I'll, I'll have a look for it while you talk. You just talk away. We'll see if we've got it. So Bristol Rovers up six places into fourth from tenth last time out. They've now got 46 points going well. And we have other big movers. We've got Wimbledon. Give AFC it your Tony Wimbledon Blackburn, mate. Up four, I can't do Tony Blackburn's voice. <laughs> up four places uh, into eighth. Uh, Carlisle United, the aforementioned Carlisle United, down four spots it has been a tough time. I think we could let them off. It's been a tough old Christmas period for the, for those guys. Uh, Leighton Orient, down three spots. They've sacked their manager, Ian Hendon. Uh, the chairman's been banned, hasn't he, for kicking Andy Gassenthal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ridiculous scenes. Exeter, not had the greatest Brilliant. Christmas either. They're down three spots. Um, Luton Town, another another team of changed managers. John Steele's gone back to Dagenham. They've got, who have they got? Nathan Jones from Brighton has gone in there. Interesting. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a second. And... A lot, of, quite a lot of teams in towards the lower reaches of the divisions that have stayed the same. Actually, Daggers are, Daggers are still in 22nd. Hartlepool gone down one place. Stevenage down one place. Teddy Sheringham's not having a great time, is he? <laughs> no. Barnet down three places. Uh, no, sorry, Barnet up two places. I do apologise, Martin Allen. Uh, and Yeovil and York City have swapped. Yeovil were bottom. They're now second bottom. York are bottom of the entire football league. And there's your big ending. There you go. I, th- I think you did that very well. Mm. Um, well. I won't be expecting the call from the uh, <laughs> from the chart people. No, I think soon. Greg James has got that one. Yeah. Up, mate. No offence. <laughs> um, Nathan Jones and yeah, Brighton and Hove Albion coach um, uh, appointed on a two and a half year contract and a beat off competition from David James. Apparently, he was linked he fancied with the, the job. I think didn't he? Yeah, certainly because he is a Luton boy, despite starting his career at Watford. We had to get that in there, didn't you? Hmm. Um, what do you make of that appointment? Then? It's sad to see Big John still lose his job. Well, I think, yeah, or, or maybe, it, maybe it just petered out a bit for him. But I think the Luton fans will certainly always hold him in high esteem for the job that he did. Got them back into the league, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, got them moving again. And now hopefully they can go on under Nathan Jones. But but John still now goes back to Dagenham and Redbridge. And, you know, that is a club that he had great success at before. And, you know, I think it works. It fits. Sometimes you just have a club where it works and it fits. John still and Dagenham and Redbridge is that perfect marriage, I think. And they have all, you know, they've won a couple of games since he's since he's come in. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good fit for them. And Nathan Jones is an interesting appointment for Luton. It's not the Danny Wilson or Steve Cottrell, or someone that has been around the block and loses jobs and goes back in, etc. And you wonder how many times can they keep doing the same trick. It's a new appointment. It's a, it's a manager that has been learning his trade for a long time at a club like Brighton under some interesting managers there. He first came in, uh, I think, when Oscar Garcia was there. And he's, he's a man with a growing reputation and they've taken a punt on him and it'll be interesting to see if it works. Uh, I mean, hopefully it doesn't, of course. <laughs> but oh, you I can't think it's uh, it good on them. Good on them for appointing someone new and giving someone a go. Absolutely. Now, the thing is, because we're trying to cover such a vast period of time, well, I say, I keep going on about it, it's only six weeks, I suppose, um, and there's been so much action that I bet there's loads and loads of funny moments and bits and bobs and stupid goals that we've missed out uh, over the last six weeks. But I think that was just kind of in summary uh, edition of We Are Going Up to catch up it's a few other bits a few other bits of any other business oh go on I can give mention. me some AOB of course we are in January the transfer window is open there have been biz- there has been business already and I'm sure there'll be more over the next week or so before the window shuts let me go through There's kind of more players leaving the notable players that are leaving um, football league clubs and championship clubs in particular that catch the eye uh, at the start of January Damari Gray 
left Birmingham City to go to Leicester in the Premier League. 3.7 million, which, if you remember how much money Bournemouth were reportedly offering for the player last January, wasn't it, when they were trying to get out of the uh, out of the Championship, it's a, dis- a bit of a disappointing sum, mm. isn't it? But he yeah, looks good already. Thing. He's impressed when he's when he's when he's played for Leicester in that in that cup game, in particular against Spurs, the two-two draw. He looked good. It's just a good move for him, I think. And well, I mean, he's joined one of the best clubs in the country. <laughs> if we're to go by the league table, which is something, some, not something you could have said about Leicester this time last year, that's for sure. Can I say, by the way, this thought did dawn on me actually. Mm. Um, I might have even mentioned it to you on Friday. Is that when we started doing this podcast back in August 2011? Could yeah. you have imagined that? What are we? I mean, four and a half, five years on, or whatever it is. Um, that because at the time for sort of newer listeners, when we started, there was there was sort of four of us who did this regularly every single week, um, and one of the, the lads was Jim Knight, and we're still in touch with uh, Leicester fan, and his side are now top of the Premier League or whatever, joint top, and Watford are you know top half or whatever. I know you've had a bit of a dodgy 12th. couple of weeks, twelfth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, who could have imagined that those two? I mean, a few weeks ago, you were both in the top five, top six of the Premier League. I know. Ridiculous. It's funny how things go, isn't it? Things change. Um, and on that note, Anthony Kinockart is back he in is. the Football League. Having left Leicester to go to Standard Liège, he's back at Brighton. Uh, a man who... Cheated to get that penalty. But God bless him for doing so. Because <laughs> if he hadn't done that, then we would never have had one of the greatest moments in our club's history. So, you know... They say no good can come from diving in football. Yeah, very much so. Um, Nick Blackman's gone to uh, Derby after having a great first half of the season with Reading. Derby have uh, spent two and a half million on him uh, to try and give them the extra edge they need to get up. Disappointing one for Reading fans, I suppose. They've got Matty Vidra there. He scored a hat-trick in the FA Cup last night against Huddersfield, but I don't think he's been doing that well before that game, really, before that hat-trick. Wolves are going to struggle to replace uh, Benekafobi, aren't they? Well, you'd think so. Goal they have, got, they have got, what, eight, nine million quid for him? Yeah. So they can reinvest. Uh, they've got a lot of good young players there. They actually are one of the uh, the biggest improvements as well in the last month in the Championship. They're up five places. Playoffs all of <laughs> a sudden... Do again. Playoffs all of a sudden don't seem out of the question for them. I mean, they'd have to have an exceptional second half of the season, but they are getting better. They've got some money to invest. Because at one stage this season, you looked at it and thought, how long's Jacket got there? You know, big expectations at that club. But when you sell your best players, they lost Sacco in the summer and they've lost the Phoebe now. It is always going to be difficult, isn't it? It is. Um, uh, have you got any more AOB there? Yeah, we spoke about Connor Washington, haven't we? Yeah. Um, oh, Paul Lambert's been going back to the uh, the Norwich well for, for some players. He signed Elliot Bennett and Simeon Jackson, both players. Danny Graham on loan from had. Sunderland yeah, today Yeah, Danny well. Graham, but he had those two at Norwich. And Graham from Sunderland, Graham, the last time he was in the Championship, was top scorer, 24 goals with Watford. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and he's, his career has somewhat meandered since, yeah. hasn't Would it be it? fair to say the, the goals have dried up since then? Yeah, well, when he was at Swansea in the Premier League under Rodgers, he was being pushed to touted for an England spot at one stage. But then he, <laughs> he left Swansea really strangely, didn't he? That Just before they were, they were about to, they were on that great League Cup run, they went on to win the, the competition that season. But he left in January of that, of that year. Did he go to Hull? Yes. Was it a first Hull, then, then Sunderland. back and forth between Sunderland on loan and went there again. And um, yeah, it's not been great. He's something of a joke figure now, really. It's a bit of a shame because he was, he was absolutely superb for Watford and for Swansea when he first went there. And uh, in the last uh, 24 hours, Leeds have finally said goodbye to Sam Byram, who has turned down Everton, I think somewhat surprisingly, to join West Ham. 
Uh, is it true that Steve Evans, sorry to sort of trivialise the subject, yeah. is it true that Steve Evans had to, because um, basically Leeds couldn't, um, the size jacket that he wears or yeah. training gear, they couldn't put the initials on that. Kappa. They couldn't the... find a size that big, that big. So he's had to pay for it especially to be done, I think. Yeah, but in the meantime, he was wearing his Rotherham gear with the badge painted, oh, no. painted over, yeah, stitched over. Is that true? <laughs> well, that's what the report said. Oh, I hope it's true. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh, bits of any any other business for me, not really football related, just little things to catch up on. Um, mm-hmm. How's the aircon? I think people want to know. The aircon is, is it still broken. Well, the the machine, the aircon machine is gone. Right. That used to be in the corner of the room. Right. That we once famously left on throughout the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's still, quite, it's still quite hot in here, so I don't think okay. much has changed. Okay. And uh, when you go to America, you're going to be going and watching any soccer in America. No, because it's out of season, mate, isn't it? Oh, is it? Of course it is. Oh. That's why all the, you know, when all the... Who's the one that's going there? Someone's Bex could come back to Europe over the winter. Landon Donovan, etc. Stephen Gerrard's on BT every week. Lampard's yeah. back getting married. Yeah. How dare he? It's um, summer. Are you, um, uh, and uh, are you, you're going to some more wrestling, aren't you? That's well, probably what's happening here. Well, I am, actually, yeah. It's all a bit of a coincidence, really. We were going over there for another reason, because we've basically been offered through a friend who works in Disney World. Do you want to come to Disney World for a week for free in January? Wow. We said, uh, yeah, mm, I mean, it sounds quite good. Why yeah. not? And then we discovered that the uh, the Royal Rumble ah. um, uh, is uh, is on at the same time in the same city. So we thought, why not? Well, enjoy and uh, don't drink too much. And hopefully there'll be another we are going up to follow. Um, we're hoping it won't be another six weeks. No, it won't sure. be. How long are you away for? You're away for a week, aren't Just you? Just a week. Okay, I'm so. going to be able to watch the uh, Watford game at the weekend at 10 a.m. Nice. Against in the morning. Are you playing? We're playing Newcastle at home. Okay. And I, well, we've lost four in a row now. Uh, it's all evaporated very quickly. Keep the Premier League chat to a minimum, mate. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we could be back in the football league. I can always turn your fader down like that. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm going to Oldham away on Saturday if the mm. weather uh, behaves itself, because I know it's uh, it's um, not been the best over the last couple of weeks, to say the least. Um, right. That is pretty much your lot. One uh, thing you didn't mention about Berry. Oh, go on. Didn't they nearly get a winding up order? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And then you just miraculously paid all the money off. Yeah, it's a bit murky, that. I'm not really sure. That I know question that still remains, comment. doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It, also, it is sort of uh, gradually sort of uh, sort of rising up in the background, as it were. Mm. Um, I'm sure something will happen with that at some point, but hopefully not for a long time. Uh, we teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. Oh, yes, New Year, but that still exists. Audible.co.uk slash going up. Register there. If you haven't done this yet, you can register for a one-month free trial. Claim your free audiobook. There's over 150,000 to choose from. And, um, yeah, you can you can keep it whether or not you decide to um, sort of uh, stay beyond the trial period. Uh, so there you go. Go and sign up if you can. Audible.co.uk slash going up. Also got the Twitter, which is at Wagyu Podcast. And the Facebook page still there, ticking along. Facebook. Have you posted anything on Twitter in the last six weeks? Not really, mate. Um, the Instagram there too. I think the last picture we put on the Instagram was a picture of the aircon unit about two months ago. Excellent. So that's that's a nice little advert for that. Maybe we need to up our social media game a little do. bit, mm. just a little bit. We we have fallen a little bit slack in yeah. the last six weeks. There was there was too much going on. There was people moving house. You 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 started a new job. There was Christmas. There was alcohol to be drunk. There was football to watch. Uh, a combination of all those factors, I'm saying. Are you enjoying yourself up there, though? <laughs> Closer to home. Are we doing this on air, mate? Yeah. Being yeah, able to watch Barry Moore. For you. Do you yeah. feel like you've reconnected? I do a bit, yeah. To your roots. Yeah, I do. Um, how about you? How's, how's things down there? It's great. <laughs> Good. It was great to see you last week. Yeah, it was. It was, it was very... A uh, whirlwind 12 hours in Manchester. It was. A ridiculous 12 hours in Manchester. Um, how, how were you on your train? I enjoyed the WhatsApp picture that you sent everyone. 
Well, <laughs> did I, oh yeah, I was going. I was thinking what and yeah, WhatsApp, not Twitter. I think I didn't post anything. No, did I? no. Christ. Um, well, I just, yeah, not great. No, it not wasn't. great. No. Um, the least. I mean, if we really want to up our social media game, we could always put that on the the wacky yeah. Twitter, mate. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's leave it. Right, that is it for uh, this week's show. If you do want to contact us at Wagyu Podcast, is the Twitter. Please say hello, get in touch, offer your offer us your thoughts. A lot of people did get in touch actually the last few weeks saying we should do a Charlton special. Well, we've done it. It's done now. So thank you for that. Um, that is your lot from We Are Going Up. Tell um, us what you want us to do, please. Because sometimes it's hard to think. Because we look at the stuff and we think, lazy. oh, well, we, no, it's not lazy. But we we've said this before. We look at, oh, that manager's been sacked. Oh, let's, you know, that club's struggling. And we kind of you you feel like a sense of deja vu. If young, there's young interesting things special, you mate. want to know about, young play tell special. Us. Young player special. We've had it on the yeah, on, we'll on get there. <laughs> we've had it on the sort of mantelpiece for about a year and a half, ready to go. Tea lady special. Yeah, that's true. That'll happen one day. It will. It will. We, basically, we've got a, a list of ideas we put together about two years ago, in which one of them is to go to grounds and interview tea ladies. Um, uh, you know, we've always got that, mate. If, if times mm. are t- if times are tough, right? That is it. Uh, thanks very much for listening this week. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. If you're a new listener, hello, welcome. And we will speak to you, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future. We're thinking week after next for the next edition of We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We've got the Football League covered. (laughs) 